0: Hey everyone, and welcome to Mind Body Greens Beauty Podcast Plain Beauty School. I'm your host and beauty director, Alexandra Ingler. So, today we're going to get personal. Today we're hearing about one woman's journey with alopecia. So, one of the reasons I love beauty and covering beauty and having this podcast is because I get to explore the science and soul behind beauty. So, you know, for example, in this episode, We get to look into the mechanisms of why people lose their hair, what's the suspected causes of alopecia, and what people are doing to treat and possibly cure it. But most importantly, we also get to explore what it's like to live with it and understand the emotions that come with hair loss, rediscovering your identity, and finding the why behind it all. Not the scientific why, but the purposeful why. And my guest today, McKenna Reitz, is a teacher advocate, TEDx speaker, and has alopecia universalis. She'll explain more in this episode, and she does it so well, so I want to allow her to do it herself. So, McKenna, welcome. Thank you so much for having me today. I'm so excited to have this conversation. You know, I I know that this is a condition that I actually know a few women who who have it and I know hair loss in general is something that a lot of women are concerned about so you know this is something that I think a lot of women and a lot of men can appreciate having this conversation so I am so excited to get into this I'm so excited to hear your story but you know first and foremost I would just love our audience to learn a little bit more about you tell us about yourself
1: I my name's McKenna Wrights. I am from Toledo, Ohio. I am 39 years old, married to a man who truly I have learned over my hair loss journey, loves me unconditionally. We have two beautiful girls who are nine and six. I teach AP psychology. I coach varsity volleyball. I'm a TEDx speaker. I, I host my own podcast as well. But foremost, I just my mission in life and my purpose in life is to empower others through my story and just to live authentically themselves by learning that vulnerability truly can change and transform our lives. So, you know, this is a
0: beauty podcast and we're going to spend a lot of time talking about alopecia and hair, but, you know, I'm curious in general, what is your relationship with beauty? Have you always been somebody who's been interested in the beauty space? You know, I'm curious.
1: It's really fascinating You know, being a woman living in society, we are never told this identifies you, this identifies you, this beauty mark or your hair, whatnot. But what we have been told subconsciously by society, and especially now with social media being such a huge making such a huge impact on our lives, is that we start to compare ourselves, comparing ourselves to our favorite TV stars, movie stars, singers, to instagram followers and we start to identify on who we are based upon what we are physically made up of and we don't understand how much we truly rely on it until it's gone and so i have always been a person i it's it's kind of ironic but since i was 5 years old i was known for my hair i yeah. had the thickest most beautiful brown wavy hair and I didn't really start to appreciate it until my twenties. My hair uh, was frizzy, and I used to be made fun of it so much. And so I, you know, started to compare myself and my hair to other people. And then in ninth grade, I actually went and got it chemically straightened, and yeah. I started to appreciate it a little bit more and appreciate. And then it wasn't until my mid twenties where I finally learned how to fall in love with my hair and tame it. And I've never been a person who lived on makeup or, you know, focusing on my physical attributes, Um, always comparing myself of wanting to be as pretty or as outgoing or as fit as other people as we do, unfortunately, subconsciously compare ourselves but through this journey, I've learned what truly identifies ourselves. And, you know, it's, it's cliche to say, but it's true. It's what's within that makes our beauty and that vulnerability.
0: So, you know, just a really quick follow-up question to that, because I, I so agree with you that we're not always told directly that these are the things that you should look like or these are the standards you should hold yourself up to. And it's, it's much more of a subconscious thing that we see in television and and now social media. And because you're a teacher, you know, I'm curious about this younger generation that has grown up and all they know is social media and it's, you know, been a part of their lives for so long. Do you do you see that it's affecting them more?
1: It's really interesting, you know, growing up, we weren't we fortunately, I didn't have social media. I was the era of when AOL started, <laughs> so we didn't we were just comparing ourselves to just regular media, not social yeah. media. What I find interesting now is that these my students are actually accepting a little bit more of one another oh, and being yeah. okay with how they view. So I remember growing up and being the, when Abercrombie and Fitch became the big name, if you weren't wearing it, you weren't quote unquote cool. Now people are just doing their own thing. And especially in my district where we are extremely diverse with ethnicities, with socioeconomic statuses and everything in between, I feel that it's, people are becoming more accepting and being okay with being more authentically themselves and I love that and that gave me and empowered me to be able to stand up in front of my students bald after 4 years. Sure. Um, so it's it's refreshing to see. However, I do see them comparing their abilities more so than anything.
0: Social media has so many positives and obviously it has several negatives as well, but I to your point I think it's very exciting that people are using it as a medium to to embrace themselves. Mm-hmm. But you know, let's kind of get into the heart of this conversation, you have alopecia. I I would love to hear your story and your journey with the condition. And then, you know, we can, we can use that as a springboard to talk about the condition itself and everything else. But I would just, I would love to hear your story.
1: So like I said, I was known for my hair, my ent- majority of my life. And when we had our youngest in May of 2015 and starting in probably August of 2015, I started to, my hair started to shed, which all women who are going through postpartum experience that, that normal common hair loss because your hair just goes through the cycles when you're dealing with hormones and pregnancy and whatnot. So I didn't think too much of it. Until September, when I start with, I remember just teaching and looking at my shoulders and my shoulders being covered with hair. And it was just abnormal. And so I talked to my mom. And I was like, oh, let's just go to a dermatologist and let's see. So we went to a dermatologist and they said, oh, well, there's a chance you could lose all your hair due to, you know, something called alopecia. I'm like, excuse me? Mm-hmm. I could, lo- <laughs> that is nothing that, any woman ever fathoms. It is a little bit more common for males, unfortunately, but for women, we do subconsciously identify with our hair. And that destroyed me at that moment, like how there's no way. And then I, you know, just went into now like, this is never going to happen. And so we started to use um, some topical creams just to slow down the shedding and also women's Rogaine. And I honestly didn't know that there was a row game just for women. And so I was using everything and anything to help out the situation. Well, once my volleyball season ended in the end of October, which is a very stressful time, beginning of school, beginning, you know, season. My husband coaches college volleyball as well. So we're just, we're going. And, you know, my body just went through a pregnancy. So lots of stress. November 1st, we have family pictures for our Christmas card. And I remember getting that back pretty quickly, probably within 48 hours, and noticing, like, wow, my hair looks substantially thin. Of course, no one else notices, but we always notice the, the little details of ourselves. Of course. <laughs> of course. That's <laughs> what we do of ourselves, unfortunately. Yep. And what I didn't know is that that picture would be the very last picture I'd ever take with hair. Within a week and a half, probably the second week of November, I remember standing in the shower... And I was washing my hair and I put my hands in front of me and they were covered in hair. And it, it was unbelievable. Like, I felt like I was in a horror movie and my, I I was in the b- disbelief. Like, how is this happening to me? And by the end of November, 90% of my hair was gone. It went in three That's weeks. so fast. And at the moment, of course, it was complete hell. You know, I wanted to slow it down. I was doing everything possible. But in hindsight, I'm glad it went quickly. That whole saying, you know, rip the Band-Aid off. I'm glad it went quickly. Looking back on my journey, I don't know if I could have handled it going any slower. And so in November, my hair started to recede back and I would wear a headband to cover up the bald spots. I put my hair up in a ponytail. I use, there's microfibers where you can actually throw on your hair to cover up bald spots, which was very beneficial and some makeup. And I stood in front of my students and I said, I'm going to start to look different. We don't know what's happening, but my hair is falling out. And thankfully I did that because that vulnerability transformed my journey. Because If I didn't do that, then I would have been hundred percent and my students would be watching me completely transform without me talking. And I, I teach juniors and seniors, 16, 17, 18 years old, who are going through very similar things, but very different at the same time. And I think that me being able to just speak about it just freed me a little bit just to kind of allow them to say, hey, we know what's going on. We know that she's not sick. We know that, you know, nothing terrible is happening, but she's going through something. And so we're just going to support her. Uh, through this journey. And to say it's been a journey has been an understatement. We did everything possible to the topical creams, to medicines that compromised my immune system, that made me extremely sick, to weekly steroid injections into my scalp for six months. (laughs) It was excruciating pain for two minutes where we would, they would, I would go in early, put a ice pack in my head to numb the area that they were going to be injecting to try and dull the pain as much as possible. And I did see sporadic hair growth, but it wasn't anything that something that I say, let's keep doing this after six months. I I had to stop. It wasn't worth it anymore because the pain just, there was the results weren't worth it. And I finally, you know, and then I did the holistic route. I tried, you know, different types of medicines and vitamins and stopped you know, doing anything medicine wise. And again, nothing was working. I just said, I'm done. I'm done doing anything to my body. My body has been through enough and I need to give it a break. And at that moment, and not a moment, but that during that time period, I realized I live by a quote by Captain Jack Sparrow of Pirates Caribbean enough. The problem is not the problem. Sure. is The attitude about the problem. And I was so focused on wanting to grow my hair back. And I was in such denial that I wasn't focusing on what I needed to. And that was my attitude. And especially as women, we like to be in control of situations. And when you're not in control of a situation, you're going to do everything you can to be in control. And I exhausted myself emotionally, mentally, and physically. And once I took that step back, I felt started to realize that I'm not in control over my hair loss or my hair growth. What I am in control over is how I view alopecia. And for too long, I was allowing alopecia to define me. I wasn't taking pictures with my daughters. I wasn't showing up me as a mother, as a teacher, as a coach, as a wife, as I should have been. And I started to define it. And that allowed my transformation to be able to get to the point I am now start to be born. And so what I've learned through this journey is that hair is not my identity. My hair does not identify me. It is how I show up every single day and my character that defines who I am. And I am blessed because of this mountain that I've been. Wow. Beautiful uh, story. You know, I
0: really, really, really hope that people listen to this and they can see themselves in you even if they don't have alopecia because i think what your what your story so perfectly and beautifully articulates is this idea that that, you know we we are so often tied to these physical elements of ourselves and then when we don't have those anymore you know we we feel that we have to redefine ourselves and when in fact we never should have defined ourselves by those things in the first place and i think that's a hard thing for a lot of people to to understand i myself you know i'm somebody who certainly identifies with several physical aspects i'm a beauty editor it's kind of what i crafted a career out of myself for but you know as i've as i've worked in my body crane and as i've spoken with more and more people it really does show that the physical isn't it's, it's certainly not what beauty is actually about. So thank you for sharing your story. I want to help people understand alopecia as a condition a little bit further, just because I know that it is a complicated condition and not necessarily well understood one. Um, so first off, you know, what are the basics that we know about it? Is it an autoimmune disease? You know, what is it classified as?
1: Yeah. So alopecia is an autoimmune disease. Uh, It affects 7.1 million Americans and about 150 million worldwide. It is uh, autoimmune disease that attacks your hair follicles and causes them to fall out. And there's three different types. There's alopecia areata, which is probably the more common one where it's just bald, patchy areas. And then there's alopecia totalis, which is complete hair loss on your head, and then there's alopecia universalis, which is complete hair loss on your entire body, and that's what I have. So I have zero hair on my body. And at first, you're like, "Oh, that's going to be terrible." No, it's amazing. I don't have to shave anymore. I don't have to. It takes me five minutes to get ready. You know, I do have my eyebrows microbladed, which is sure an amaz- amazing invention. So whoever came up with microblading, thank you. I it has taken me. Three years to perfect fake eyelashes and find the perfect eyelashes and the perfect glue where they can literally they stay on for literally a week for me, which is amazing. Oh, that's great. Uh, but the the downfall of alopecia is that there's no specific cause. We don't specifically know why it happens. It is genetic. It can be genetic. Okay. It can also be caused by stress. And I think for me. It was a perfect storm. My mom, when she was 10, so 1960, she's going to kill me for saying that, but 1960, her hair receded back a little bit and they said she had alopecia and it grew back and she hasn't had any issues since. So it's in my genes. I also have other autoimmune diseases. I have hypothyroidism. I am anemic. So you, what we're seeing, what, not we, I'm not a scientist. What they are seeing is that there's most people with alopecia have another autoimmune disease or you know have that thyroid, or anemic. So
0: alopecia usually does go hand in hand with other conditions. She mentions autoimmune diseases like her thyroid condition, but there's also other disorders spanning from eczema, asthma, to arthritis. Additionally, those with alopecia are at a higher risk of developing mental health issues such as depression and anxiety. These are called comorbid diseases, and it's important to understand them and look out for signs of them, as those
1: with alopecia are at a higher risk of having them as well. We put more info in our show notes. So there's always two things that what they're seeing, but the other perfect, that was a part of the perfect storm was the stress that was put on my body of going through pregnancy, of, you know, starting school, starting my volleyball season, you know, just it just all came together at once, unfortunately, and I think that it was the perfect storm that caused it. Now, there, this can happen at any age. There are, from young children, I follow many on Instagram with children who are absolutely beautiful to older adults. So I was, let's see, 33 when I lost all of my hair to in their 50s, and it doesn't discriminate towards, like I said, age, gender. Uh, ethnicity, religion, anything. It can happen to anyone. And it's, unfortunately, when I was diagnosed, it was in the six millions and now we're moving up to seven. I th- I also think because people are becoming more educated and knowledgeable on what alopecia is, and that's my purpose in life is to educate. So when I'm walking through the grocery store, people are educated uh, and aware of what alopecia is rather than, you know, the amount of times uh, I walk into a grocery store, either bald or with a baseball cap on and people ask me if I'm going through treatment. And I'm, I tell them at first it really bothered me because I was in a different state of mind, but now I use it as an, my opportunity to say, fortunately, I am blessed that I am perfectly healthy. And that's what a lot of people have a myth about. We are perfectly healthy. There is nothing wrong with us, except we just don't have hair. And I say, you know, please pray for those that do. But most of the people that come up to me have gone through treatment and have beaten cancer. And then they get to tell me their stories. And I I have that ability to make that connection and allow others to share their warrior stories and that they fought and they empower me every time I have the ability to interact with them. So, you know,
0: you mentioned that your, your story started with, with shedding post-pregnancy. And I'm curious, what, what is the difference between just, you know, shedding in general, or maybe excessive shedding and this type of hair loss? You know, you went to go visit a dermatologist, but was there a point that, you know, you said this is more
1: serious? When,
0: when did it become more concerning for
1: you? When I found a bald spot. Yeah. Um, so like it was probably about a quarter size bald spot. And they did inject it and some hair started to grow back. Okay. Unfortunately, the rest of it continued to fall out. And that was the difficult thing. And so for those that are concerned, it's usually we all I fifty percent of all women according to Cleveland Clinic, are going to experience some sort of hair loss throughout their life, you know, whether it's age or trauma or pulling their hair back too tight, which I always did, and everything in between, we're gonna experience hair loss.
0: Let's take a moment to talk about shedding. According to the AAD, we shed about 50 to 100 hairs on average every day. Now, I cannot imagine anyone spending the time counting this out each day. So a while back, I spoke with some hairstylists about other ways you can keep track. I thought I would mention them here, or at least a few. The first is you just want to pay attention to your hair and your scalp in general. If you see your parts start to widen or find bald patches, then you may have increased shedding or something more serious. Definitely go see a dermatologist in this case. You can also do the pull test as hairstylist Megan Taylor told me in the article. She says a good way to test hair shedding whether it be normal or too much, is to take a small section of clean, dry hair and lightly pull down on the section from the mid-lengths to the ends of your hair. Normally, you might notice that none or a strand or maybe two might come out as you pull, but if you noticed more than a few strands coming out, it may be something you want to look into further. Or another way that is common is you can find hair traps for your drain. Not only does this keep your drain clean, but when you start to notice an increasingly amount of hair in there, it might be a sign that you're shedding more than normal. One final note on this though, is that those with curly hair often don't wash or brush their hair daily. Additionally, when curly hair sheds, it usually gets trapped with the others. So when you do wash or brush, you may see a lot of hair coming out. That's not always a sign of concern. It may just be normal hair shedding that has been built up
1: for the past few days. But when you start to notice small, bald spots, that's when I would suggest to be going to seek medical advice or seek holistic advice, whichever you prefer, just to get a, gain a better understanding. And you're not alone. And that's what I want people to understand is that, like I said, 50% of women are gonna experience hair loss. We're in this together.
0: Mm-hmm. Do you find that women, you know, to your point of people, Speaking with you about it, do you find that women are eager to share their hair loss stories with you, even if they don't have alopecia? They just, you know, maybe they have just, you know, age-related hair loss or, you know, hairstyle-related
1: hair loss. Is that something that you find that women are able to be vulnerable about? Unfortunately, no. When it comes to alopecia, others who have been diagnosed, I have a lot of people that reach out to me through Instagram who aren't able to even share with their family. And so I'm able to be, you know, that connection for them where some of their family members don't even know after 20 years because they've been hiding it that long, which what I say is everyone's on their own journey. And they say, I wish I could be as strong as you. No, you are strong. You are still fighting every single day. But when it comes to just general hair loss, non-alopecia hair loss, I feel that other women feel bad by complaining about their hair loss. Like even my mom in the beginning, well, first she said, do you want me to shave my head too? I said, absolutely not. We don't need two baldies in the house. But at first she was really, she wouldn't tell me that she was going to get a haircut or everyone feels bad for saying things. And it's amazing when you lose something, whether it's anything in your life, you become more consciously aware of the impact it had in your life. And so I remember just sitting in my classroom And girls talking about what a bad hair day they're having and talking about the hair. And, you know, when I started to get to a brighter point in my journey, I would look at them and I would say, you think you're having a bad hair day? Mm -hmm. And They would look at me like, I'm like, guys, if you can't laugh about situations, if you can't make light of situations, things that are out of my control, then life is going to be miserable. And so that is why I make it a point to always talk about the elephant in the room. I, you know, why I'm able to now walk the the hallways after it took five years for me to finally go out bald without a wig, without a hat on, Um, just being me because I want people to be able to see me, see that women can be bald and that women can still fight every single day, but also that we all have a story. And that's why I want people to be able to talk freely, talk freely, and don't be afraid to talk to people about what you're going through, because What I have learned from my journey of hair loss is that everyone has a story. Everyone's battling something. Mine's just visible. Everyone gets to see my battle and how I show up every single day of fighting is what's going to hopefully make other people stronger because you can just walk through life with a smile on your face, but hiding so much. But I hope that me showing up and fighting empowers you to walk a little taller and to be able to talk about it. If you're experiencing just normal hair loss, let's talk about it. It's okay. I've been there. I've done that. And don't be afraid to talk. And that's where that vulnerability gives release to both people on either end of the conversation.
0: The stat that I always reference is that you know
1: hair loss is one of
0: the most you know Googled beauty problems. Uh, certainly, we know that a lot of people search it on our site. And I think it comes down to this fact that People don't want to talk about it. And so they go online to learn about it Mm -hmm. and they go online where they, you know, they can do it in secret. And it really does a little bit break my heart because, you know, to your point, clearly this is a human experience and like something that we, that ideally we can all connect on, but people just have a really, really hard time talking about it. And we talked about this a little bit in this conversation in regards to your story, but I think that. It's all tied back to the fact that we associate hair with identity and even we a little bit associate hair with womanhood. Mm -hmm. And I just want to dive into a little bit more on this because I do think it's something that is kind of the crux of why people struggle with talking about hair loss. You obviously have reframed this in a beautiful way. And I want to talk about how how that was for you, and how you were able to to do that. You shared it a little bit in your story, but you know, I, I'd love to learn just a little bit more about that facet of your journey. When you said, you know, this doesn't define me. Were there moments? Was there an instant? Was it just something that took time? I'm just curious because I'm, I'm sure a lot of women would love your advice on how to get to
1: that point. It, it's funny because so many people ask me, was there one specific moment that allowed you just to kind of flip? And I would always say, no, I I can't reference a moment, but I always go back to when I stood in front of my students and I, that, that moment of vulnerability allowed me to not be in the dark a hundred percent. And it was me leaning on my family. I remember it was probably the, the end of the end of like the last clump falling out of my head. And I, my parents thankfully live a mile away. And I, I remember getting out of the shower and I got dressed quickly and I just rushed out the door and I went to my parents and I walked in. And this was the first time that they had really seen anything because I wouldn't let anyone see me. I would always have my head covered almost kind of like with a survivor buff. I wouldn't wear a scarf because then that would associate me of having cancer. And I, I didn't want people to think that I was dying and not saying that people with cancer are dying, but I'm just saying that I just wanted a different association. And I walked in and my mom was standing there and I, I lost it. I completely lost it. And my dad, who is 6'6", six, six, but with the of soul, walks in and sees me and had to walk right back out because it was the first time he had seen me. Mm-hmm. And having that relationship, being able to lean on others, regardless if you have close family um, or close friends or you don't, find someone We as human beings, regardless if you're going through hair loss or any challenge, because we're all facing challenges every single day, whether they're mountain or molehills, they're a mountain to you at that moment. And we need to talk about just what we were talking about before. We have to be able to open up with someone. And even if it's someone through Instagram, through social media, we have to be able to lean on others. And... My mom used to ask me, how do you get up every single day? I said, there's no other choice. Yeah. I have two daughters that are watching my every move, a family to take care of, and students that relied on me. I never took a day off. I still got up and I showed up. And even in our toughest hours, when I say I hit rock bottom, I hit rock bottom. Mm -hmm. But I knew that I had to keep going. And that you have to find that why. And that why continued to grow and strengthen for me. I used to rush past the mirrors. I would go to bed with a hat on until the lights were off and then take the hat off because I was still ashamed of how I looked. I didn't want my husband, because I you know, we say in our vowels through thick and thin, through, you know, sickness and health, and my husband said to me, McKenna, it's just hair. And he, at that moment, I, I, believe, I truly believed he didn't understand that we are, are our hair. <laughs> we as women, we identify with our hair and that's who we are. But it wasn't really until probably six months ago that I stepped back and thought, wow, it really was just hair for him. He sees me beyond my physical attributes. He sees me for me but it's taken me that time. I also discovered. I just got <laughs> goosebumps, by the way.
0: it's <laughs> really sweet. I hope we can all find people in our lives that
1: um, make us feel that way. <laughs> and we have to be able to allow ourselves to feel that way. Mm-hmm. We have when when our significant other or someone else tells us something like that, we have to believe them. Mm. Yeah. Instead of yeah. our husband, wow. you know our significant other saying, "Oh, you look great." Oh, do I? Do I? Why? Why? Why do we second? why do we question it? Mm-hmm. And again, I think it's in our genetics as women. We do. It's, we always question ourselves. We question our ability. Even if we got hundred percent on something, we still say, was it okay? Did I do good? Instead of just knowing, just believe in ourselves. And it takes time for us to get there. And that's what I want people to understand on any journey that they're on. It takes time. Some people, it takes weeks, months, years, 20 years. But we're all on this journey together. And what I, you know, I continued to Google (laughs) and I discovered the National Alopecia Areata Foundation and realized that they did team ups in September because September is Alopecia Awareness Month and they do team ups with Major League Baseball teams. And I am a huge Indians fan. My dad grew up in Cleveland. We're huge Cleveland Indians fans, excuse me, it's almost Cleveland Guardians fans. But I contacted them in that moment gave me a purpose. I didn't feel like I was living with a purpose and realizing, oh, I could team up with them, with the Cleveland Indians. And at the same time, I could be bringing awareness. And that's where I started to learn why I was given this, this challenge in my life. And little by little, I started doing more awareness events, whether it's at volleyball matches or now I've just put on a big golf outing and everything in between, the more I can bring awareness, the stronger I feel. And now I can finally walk past a mirror and stop and look in the mirror and say, I am enough. Mm -hmm. I am worth it. And that is the most difficult thing for us to be able to do and sometimes you have to repeat it and repeat it and repeat it until you finally believe it not i'm going to be enough i am i am enough whatever struggle we are experiencing we are strong enough cuz you are still standing here today and fighting that means you're stronger than you ever imagined
0: clearly you know you've you found yourself in a place where you have this really beautiful outlook on it but i Like any human, I can imagine there are days where it doesn't always feel, you know, maybe you have bad days, whether it's alopecia related or just bad days Mm -hmm. in general. But I'm curious, how do you, how do you pull yourself out of the spiral? You know, how do you pull yourself out of the spiral now? Or like, how would you pull yourself out of a spiral when it was happening? Those dark, dark moments where you really did feel bad about it. Are there ways that you can kind of collect yourself and ground yourself in those moments?
1: Remember your why. Fortunately, I have my daughters, and that was my reason because alopecia is genetic. Mm. What if it happens to them? Sure. <laughs> I want them to know mm. mm-hmm. if it happens to them, they watched their mom go through the same thing and came out stronger than she ever was. And if she can get through it, so can I. That was my why. And people still ask me, do you still have bad days about your hair loss? No, because this is me. But it's taken me through hell and back through the darkest hours to get here. What I when I, we all have bad days and things happen and I literally now stand out, stand up and I say to myself out loud, am I in control of this situation? And I say to myself, I am not in control of the situation. And my I feel like a thousand pounds of bricks comes off my chest because I'm saying it out loud. I have that affirmation that I'm not in control of whatever someone else said or someone else did i what I do have control over is how I react to it and my mindset. But that mindset is going to take time. It's going to take patience. patience is has never been a part of my vocabulary, but I've had to learn. Because my daughters and my student athletes, my volleyball players, my students are that important to me. And they, without knowing, have empowered me to show up authentically me every single day. And so, for those who are struggling or having that bad day, get up and go all in. Whatever you're all in is, if going all in is getting out of bed, then be the best at it. Or if it's running a marathon or everything in between, whatever you're doing in that moment, give everything that you possibly can, and that's going to allow you to distract from whatever (sighs) else is going on. And we need that distraction in our life.
0: Yeah, I love that advice about doing it for your daughters and giving them a strong role model to look at. I, I think we so often forget that the way we talk about ourselves, other people. Hear that, and they see that, and it only encourages other people to think critically and badly about the way that they feel or look. And you know, I don't, I don't have kids, but I do have a lot of girlfriends who I love, and it's actually something that I've been um, really trying to be cognizant of that. I don't talk poorly about myself because especially when I'm with other people and especially when I'm with, you know, people who might like my little cousin or whoever it is in my life, because I don't I don't want to set the precedent that we should pick ourselves apart. And yeah, I just I think that's really good advice. And I think it's something that I'm working on now. And I just I really like that because I think it's something that we could all do, regardless of if we have kids or if, you know, we have a condition. It's just quite something that we could all be mindful of because people do hear it when you say bad things about yourself and they internalize it even if we don't realize it because we think it's all about, you know, oh, I'm only saying it about me.
1: So it's not affecting other people, but it does. I love that you talked about like when we can change our thoughts about ourselves, what is, you know, I'm going to go in my psychology world, but what's happening is when we create, when we say something negative about ourselves, we're creating a neuronal connection. And the more we think about that negative thing, we're strengthening that neuronal connection. And then another one's gonna create, another one's gonna create. In every situation, as difficult or as easy it can be, if you can find a silver lining. So obviously my silver lining is, is that when it's humid out like it is today, I don't have to worry about my hair anymore. I don't have to worry about it getting frizzy and being hot. I can get ready in five minutes. I don't have to shave anymore. My hair is never going to get wet when it's raining. But that positivity, what it's going to do, it's going to create then a neural connection, which then is going to die off another negative. And then what happens is that positivity starts to become a habit and it starts to become your life. And it's going to outweigh those negativities. And then you're going to start to surround yourself with other positive people or inspire those people who have those, that, that negative mindset of, oh, wow, they can find the positivity and they can find the silver lining. Why can't I? And that's, that's incredible.
0: So I do want to talk about a little bit of practical day-to-day living just for any of our listeners out there or anybody who's joining us for this episode who might have alopecia or hair loss, um, whether it's age-related or whatever. I would just love to hear how you live day-to-day and, you know, You said that sometimes you wore caps. You mentioned that you have a favorite pair of uh, eyelashes. You know, just like things like that, that people who, who do have this, who are looking for specific beauty fixes.
1: So in the beginning of my journey, probably for the first five months, I just wore just like that buff because I was still in denial. I felt that if I went out and bought a wig, I was accepting it and that my hair would never grow back. Well, then I decided to go to a wig shop. And I, it, it was really difficult, <laughs> mm. but I went with my mom, find someone to go with. And I found a wig and it was just, it was a synthetic wig. I knew nothing about wigs and it was a synthetic wig. It was on, on the cheaper end. And when I'm saying cheaper, end, it was like about like a hundred dollars. Yeah. To wigs support. are expensive. very expensive. And I'll I'll get into the more expensive ones that I had, but I found a wig where I could put it up into a ponytail and then I'd put a headband covering the hairline. And I felt a little bit of normalcy because that's, I wore my hair up in a ponytail a lot, just because I had a lot of it. It was always hot. I always had a So it allowed me to feel normal. And then thankfully my, my mom said, you know, I want to buy you a better wig, you know, let me take care of that. So thankfully, I had their financial support and I, it was a trial and error of figuring out what wigs were good, you know, were, you know, and buying online because the wig shop that was here was was just okay, but honestly, I just went to wigs.com <laughs> and I discovered John Renault is the wigs that I stuck with. I tried another one, just, I didn't like the cap, Um, but the cap is really important because you're going to be wearing it for a while and you need it to be comfortable and you don't want to be too itchy. And so making sure that it was felt around and it had the pull tabs by the ears and you're able to adjust it. I needed something that looked as real as possible and the more um, obviously, the more money you invest, the higher quality you're going to receive, and the more authentic and organic it's going to look. And so, going from a synthetic, which is very difficult to wash and keep for a long period of time, to a real hair wig was a major difference. And I wanted a brown, a somewhat darker brown one. I wanted it to look identical to my hair. I wanted something. I wanted my hair back. And so I was going to find a wig that was going to get my hair back. And so when I found a wig, it was $1,600. And I was very fortunate to be, you know, that my parents were able to provide that financial assistance. I was a person growing up, I never highlighted my hair. I never, you know, I always had long hair. I never dyed my hair. I The only thing I ever did my hair was that chemically straightened. And so finally, when I started to become a little bit more comfortable, I said, you know what? Let's try it. I got a red (laughs) wig. I got a blonde wig. I'm like, wow, I look pretty good as a blonde. And so then I looked at the silver lines of I could show up whoever I want to be that day. Yeah. I could have fun with this. And you know, some of the wigs I'd put up in ponytails, some I would curl, some I would, But the maintenance, I just couldn't put up with the maintenance. You know, they'd get a little tangled, and making sure you're washing them, and you know, would they still look the great as great at taking care of them afterwards? And so, a lot of the times, if I wasn't teaching or coaching, I was wearing a baseball cap, and I had to find. I found a baseball cap. It's a specific Under Armour baseball hat that I wear. That's fitted that isn't too thick that I still wear when I'm working out, whatnot. And then the other thing was the eyelashes. If any woman has ever tried putting on fake eyelashes, holy moly, <laughs> it is extremely difficult. Yes. And I tried everything. I remember teaching and my eyelash would fall off. And this was when I was still really dark about it and it would be embarrassing. And I'd walk out of the room and try and put eyelash glue on again And they just wouldn't stick or they would stick straight out instead of going up. And so I did a lot of like YouTubing of how to discover. And I just kept buying a whole bunch of eyelashes. And it took me three years where I finally discovered. And the ones that I wear are they're called wispies. I'm actually looking at them and they're just a synthetic fiber wispy that I just get off of Amazon and it's really convenient and the glue is the other huge aspect and people say oh how long can you wear them like a day I said I can go a week yeah. I went swimming and they actually stayed on I went down a water slide and they actually stayed on for the first time usually I don't want to go down water slides or go swimming or because sure. I'm worried about my eyelashes and the glue that I use is called Cardani C A R D A N I and I get it on Amazon and it's the glue goes on clear and it stays, but the biggest thing is how to form, how to cut the eyelashes to make sure that they're, you know. I learned because I was never really into the makeups of making sure that the eyelashes go up, that they're not going all the way down to cover the crease, the corner of your eye, and knowing how to cut it perfectly and cutting off the corner. So cutting is the one thing out. that people always forget to do with fake yes. eyelashes. You and gotta I trim. Never them. Knew that. And I that. I know. You have to learn that, and. I, so I, you know, YouTube and it. it's okay to YouTube. It's okay to ask people, Hey, I hear you wear fake eyelashes. What, what do you wear? What do you do? How do you do it? And then the glue, you don't want to glue it and then put the eyelash right back on. You want to let it sit for 30 mm-hmm. seconds, let yeah. it dry a little bit. Cause then it gets that adhesive stickiness and then you put them right on and they, they stick. And so, and then the other thing was my eyebrows. Yeah. Um, I was drawing them on for two, three years until I found, you know, of course, Instagram. I followed someone who was the first person in Michigan who had ever done microblading. And she does a lot of people with alpecia. and people fly in from all over the country, from New York City, Miss Americas. And she was the same price as Toledo. But because she'd done other people with alpecia, I drove an hour and a half north to West Bloomfield, Michigan, and she changed my life. Yeah, um, it's it's. And an what ex- is the
0: process of microblading like for people who don't who don't know? Is it painful? Like I know a lot of people kind of get apprehensive about it because it you know it's it's similar to tattooing, right?
1: Correct. Now I don't have a tattoo, so I they say it's similar. So basically, what they're doing is they have this little utensil that has three little jagged edges on it, and they're sh- I hate to use the word scraping, but they're going in about seven inches seven layers of skin and they're forming hairs, hair lines. It's a process. Like the first time I had it done, it took probably about two hours. So what they do is they scrape in the lines and then they're going to put dye on. And so when they put the dye in, they let the dye sit in for a little bit and then they wipe it off and then they check to see the lines And it. They legit look like hairlines. And then you go back the first time you get it uh, in six weeks uh, to get a touch up. And now I go back every year and get them touched up. The only downfall, but it's worth it is you can't sweat for 10 days. You can't, you can't get them wet whatsoever. And so like, I can't work out for 10 days, but it's worth it. I keep telling myself it's worth it. It's worth it. And so I just go every January and get them touched up and, you know, I'll throw some eyebrow um, pencil on there just to make them a little bit darker. But most people don't realize that I have fake eyelashes and fake eyebrows. So it's it's helpful. Whereas there are a lot of alopecians who don't have eyebrows and don't have eyelashes and are completely 100% comfortable. And yeah. I, what I want people to understand is just do you. Yeah. Like just If you don't want to do eyelashes or eyebrows, cool. If you do, cool. If you want to wear wigs, awesome. Yeah. If you want to wear a hat or scarf, do what makes you comfortable. What do you find most people do in the community? Do you
0: find that people try to recreate you know, some of these things or, or do you find that you're able to find people who, who don't?
1: Um, I think I'm- it depends on where they're at in their journey, meaning when okay. did it happen? Sure. So for those that it happened when they were two years old, that's all they've known. And so they don't know what they're missing. And so there's a part of me saying, oh, I wish it would happen." happened that I don't know what I'm missing, but then I'm also fortunate because I was able to experience it. Didn't have to go through the tough times of adolescence and teenage years. Mm. I hate being different, but you're not, and we, but you don't understand that at that point. I think the older you are, when you lose it, you try to recreate what you're missing. And that's just natural. That's what we feel inside of us. and so what I follow a lot of people who lost it later on. And so some just still rock the wigs or some days they'll wear a wig. Some days they don't. I haven't worn a wig since December of 19. Thankful, you know, obviously COVID hit and there's no reason to. But
0: yeah. then I just
1: realized like summer heat, no thanks. Like, it's sure. just, this is me. And I can't imagine ever taking a picture again with my wig on because this is me. This is, yeah, this is me. And I'm proud of me. I'm curious,
0: are there any, you know, treatments on the horizon? You mentioned a few things that you tried to vary in success. I hear of clinicals from time to time, but I don't stay up on it. So, you know, I'm not, I'm not sure where the science stands on it. Do you, do you stay up on it? Do you know where, where it's kind of at?
1: There are many, many drugs in clinical trials that are in like the Phase three, our the goal of the National L P Foundation is to have something FDA approved with within the next few years. In the beginning of my journey, I was my mom, my mom's a scientist background, and so she's all about finding the clinical trials. And I was going to get into a clinical trial through New York City. The only problem was for me, I would have to fly out every other week on my expense during the week. I would have to miss work. And then I said to myself, what if I get the placebo? Yeah. And it could work though. <laughs> you could have the placebo. You don't know if you do it and it could work. Who knows? But what happens then when you stop taking it? Do you have to take it for the rest of your life? And to me, it no longer is a necessity for me. If something does come out that guarantees your hair growth for, for the rest of your life and you don't have to be taking medicine, I don't know if I would do it. Really? Which is crazy that I can't – five years ago or three years ago, I could never imagine saying it. But this is me, and I'm yeah. I love who I have become because of this. So yes, there are many clinical trials out there. There's a lot of medicines. There, I did go on a medicine uh, called Zelgens, which is huge on TV commercials. It's used for, uh, a lot of. It's used for rheumatoid root, root arthritis, and it's seen to grow back hair. But the problem is, is that once you stop taking it, sure, it falls out. Yeah. And so I, I for me. I can't go through it again. Yeah. I can't go through the hair loss again because I'm happy with who I am and I don't want to fall back into my previous mind, my mindset. Will I? I don't know, but I don't, I don't need to find out. Sure.
0: And it's also, you know, you don't, you don't need to put your happiness on the line for these various clinical trials, et cetera, when, when you're so clearly happy with who you are. And I think that's really inspiring
1: exactly. And I looked at it as like, I want to help others, but I feel that I'm helping others in a different way. Yes. 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 Yes.
0: And, you know, it's like everybody has their own place in the community. People who want to go do those clinical trials, they will, you know, you don't have to sacrifice your happiness for it. Exactly. Um, So, you know, last question is how do you take care of yourself? You know, Do you, are you somebody who, who loves a bath, who loves a massage? Are you somebody who loves skincare? You know, do you, what do you do for workouts? I just, I always love to ask my guests this as kind of the last question, because I think, you know, we all come into the beauty and wellness space from some such different angles. And I think the way that we take care of ourselves really reflects that. So what sort of things do you, do you do to take care of yourself?
1: I love working out to a point where I need to learn to back off and we need to learn that we can overdo it. I love spin. I teach spin every Saturday. So I love love spin. spin (laughs) I love I love the music. I love the class, the being surrounded by others who push you. I lift twice a week um, through a local fitness place called Renegade. And then I run. I'm a runner. Well, I hate. I've never thought I'd be a runner, but I do triathlons. So I'm a, I do triathlon, sprint triathlon, just sprint, not full out triathlons. And I'm not very good at, but they they challenge me, and I love that challenge. And I used to swim when I grew up, so swimming's a part of my 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 genetics. Uh, and then I love playing volleyball. My husband played volleyball in California. We both were collegiate athletes, and we both coach, and so we love playing volleyball when we can. But I love. I miss long showers. I miss going to the hair salon and have, that's the one thing I do miss is going to my hair salon, just knowing it's just me time, you know, yeah. where you get to go get your hair done, get, sit and get, have your hair washed and have your massage. Oh, I miss that. So he we actually went to Mexico a month ago and we went to get a massage. I'm like, I don't want a full body massage. I want a head massage. I yeah. want a head, shoulders, hands and foot massage. And it was a 90 minute and it was amazing. I just don't do it enough and I need to do we, we always say we need to take care of ourselves more, but things always, life gets in the way, but we need to make ourselves top priority and that's one of my goals this year is to take care of myself in that aspect. Um, Yeah, you should go
0: find like a facialist that you like who will also do a scalp massage while they're doing it, you know, or something like that. Absolutely. I think that's. Yeah, I think that sounds like a great idea for you. Yes,
1: sounds great. <laughs> so, anyone out there, I am free and ready to go. <laughs> <laughs> well,
0: thank you so much for joining us. This is a really beautiful and inspiring conversation. You know, I know that I walked away um, feeling inspired and learning a lot, and you know, have some perhaps self reflection that I want to do later. And I, I am sure several of our uh, listeners will feel the same. So, thank you so much. I, I really appreciate you taking the time to do this and uh, sharing your story with us.
1: Thank you so much for the opportunity and what Mind Body Green does for the society and what the light you bring and the inspiration you bring to all of your listeners and all of your readers. We just appreciate you and allowing me to bring awareness and sharing my story means the world to me. So, thank you so much. Well, thank you. I appreciate it.
0: Hey guys, just popping back in here to say thanks for joining us this week at Clean Beauty School. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did. If you're looking for more beauty content or just wellness content in general, don't forget to check out our website, mindbodygreen.com, our Instagram, mindbodygreen, and of course, our parent podcast, the MindBodyGreen Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to rate and review us. Thanks again. See you next week.